The following content contains themes of suicide and depression. Hi everyone, Billy here, The Mental Vegan. Exciting news for today, I have my first guest speaker, Jeff Terranova, former bass player of Upfront and former co-owner of the Long Beach Vegan Eatery where I was formerly employed. Jeff is a dear friend who I highly respect and he and his partner, now wife, were two of the first friends I've ever made when I joined the plant-based community. They opened up shop in Long Beach, bringing with them a really cool East Coast vibe that you really can't get anywhere else when I was just starting off when I had just been vegan probably under a year. They continue to be a very positive influence on me on social media, and one day soon, I hope, I'll get to see them again since they've long since moved away from California, but one day I think fate will bring us back together. I can't wait for y'all to meet him. Let's get this show started. Okay, so now we are starting with my very first guest, Jeff Terranova. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Billy. How are you? I'm good. So, for our listeners, Jeff is, well, my friend and my former boss at the Long Beach Vegan Eatery and a musician, one of the, the basis for one of the first straight edge bands up front. Did I get that name right? Yes. Right. And what are you doing now? What am I doing now? Um, not much. Just kind of waiting out the pandemic and waiting out this winter. Um, I've been out of work for a little while, and uh, there hasn't been a lot uh, available. I've been applying for jobs, but I haven't really had any uh, bites yet. So, like I said, I've just been kind of hanging out. I've been writing some songs on my acoustic guitar. I've got about, uh, honestly, I got about 20 songs that um, I got finished musically and lyrically, and hopefully someday I can go in the studio and record them. I think the last time we caught up, you were doing a radio gig, right? And you were living in a different state. You're in Michigan now, right? I'm in Michigan now. Before that, we were in New Jersey for a year. Before that, we were in Kansas for six months. Before that, we were in Ohio for two years. And before that, we were in Iowa for a year. <laughs> uh, and then before that, we were in New York. And before that, we were in Long Beach. Right. So it's been, it's been quite some time. We left Long Beach in uh, October, I think, of 2013. Wow, that feels like so long ago. And that was where we met. It does. Yes. Yeah, the last time we met was at your wedding in Connecticut. That's correct. You you and uh, our friend Alan were awesome enough to fly out for the wedding. We appreciate that. Yes. You know, I was really excited to go to your wedding because it was my first time going to a friend's wedding rather than a family member's wedding. Okay. Yeah, I've never done... Like, my friends now, they're... Like, I'm turning 30 this year, and so my friends are tying the knot or I'm making friends who are already married but I'm just slowly in the process of having friends who are now getting engaged and who are getting married and having their first children I understand I've, I've been there yeah 
Okay, so Jeff, you've been a vegetarian, right? For I don't know if I want to say your age because I don't know your age. <laughs> But since you were 19, right? I was. Let me see. I was I was 18 when I went vegetarian. It was、uh, Thanksgiving Day of 1987. That is a very prominent day to go vegetarian. Did you? Eat your Thanksgiving meal and then go vegetarian, or go vegetarian before the meal. I went vegetarian during the meal. You went vegetarian during the and, meal.、Uh, yeah, I had been reading books on vegetarianism, and I was slowly becoming vegetarian.、Um, I stopped eating red meat.、Uh, I never ate fish anyway, and I was just eating chicken and turkey at the time, and.、Uh, I don't know. The plate of turkey came around on Thanksgiving Day, and I took a little bite, and that was it. I was done. I was like, "This is it. This is my turning point, and、uh, I'm going vegetarian right now." Wow, that must have been. Well, I don't know what it's like in your family, but in my family, we consume, as a whole, quite a lot of animal products. So, when I told them that I was going vegetarian. Which only lasted a month because then I turned vegan.、Um, I was not shunned necessarily, but I was. It was definitely looked down upon. I understand. I come from an Italian family. They like their meat and their pasta, <laughs> and、uh, in their lasagna and and stuff. So it was a, it was a little challenging at first. Um, with my family members, my mom was pretty open-minded to it, and、uh, over time she started incorporating some tofu into some of the meals. So on holidays, she would make her regular, like stuffed shells for the rest of the family, and then she would make mine with、uh, with a tofu、uh, ragat to fill it in with. You know, I think I've actually tried making one of those before, and. All I've learned from the experience is that I'm very not Italian, and I should leave my hands off of that because, well, you're never going to learn without making some mistakes. But it was not very. It was the most definitive. It was the definition of just edible. Okay. Well, you got like you said, you got to start somewhere. Right. Right. So, how are you eating now? Like you're. You're in a blizzard, aren't you? We had a snowstorm last night into this morning, but it's bright and sunny out now, but it's still cold.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, are you able to get like you know your food like okay? Because I've been living off of like DoorDash for quite a while, just ordering out Ethiopian food. No, we've been okay. We have a local supermarket or two here in town. And then about 15 minutes away in Battle Creek, they've got everything.、Mm-hmm. So I usually check check down the Battle Creek for like the big shopping, and then if we need little things here or there, I just go locally here.、Mm. Okay. Well, something that I never actually spoke to you about, I think, even when I was working for you, we never really had a conversation just about being vegetarians, vegans, whatever, and. It was kind of really interesting because I think you were the first like Gen X person that I met who was a guy who was a vegetarian. 
okay because there's a huge gender divide i think amongst the plant-based community what do you think that is well i'm not really sure if i see what you're seeing really because it was different like at the long beach vegan eatery i would see a huge diverse group but Whenever I join a forum or a Facebook group or something with vegetarians, I feel like often I'm like of 10% like the only guy there. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I've never really joined any vegetarian groups or forums, um, so I, I wouldn't really know firsthand if there were more females or males. But I mean, in general, I have more male friends that are vegetarian or vegan than I do female friends. Uh, but like you said, at Long Beach Vegan Eatery, we got a diverse group, um, every ethnicity and um, every shade of color and uh, male, lots of males, lots of females. Yeah. What I really like about the vegan community is the diversity. Like you get like, you know, punk heads, you get really spiritual people, you get Wiccans, you get people from all sorts of like very colorful walks of life and they're joined by like this this movement or i don't know would you call veganism a movement or like a philosophy it's it's something that i struggle with like how do i identify with this i think it's definitely a movement but it's also a lifestyle so i mean to me first and foremost it's a lifestyle it's what I want to do, it's how I want to be, it's how I feel good about myself. Um, but being a part of the movement isn't a bad thing. Just look how much mainstream companies now are getting vegan and vegetarian options and products out there. How many more restaurants or diners are carrying more than just a veggie burger? Um, so ind individually, it's a spiritual thing for yourself or it's an individual thing for yourself, but by being it and being out in the public and, you know, eating and consuming, you're contributing to the movement and hopefully contributing to, like I just said, the bigger corporations and um, the bigger chains catching on, having more vegetarian or vegan options. Uh, so yeah, to me, it's a movement just by being a part of it. Mm. Okay, and well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that personally because no, I, I agree with everything you said. But to me, I feel like just a small one person in a much larger like machine, like a cog, and I don't feel like I really fit like in the in the plant based community myself, despite being in this community. Maybe that's just because I don't have any vegan friends, really, or vegan or vegetarian friends like you. Like, I think our social circles are pretty small. Like, whenever I try to make vegan vegetarian friends, it usually goes nowhere because the only thing we have in common is that we're vegan and vegetarian. And, off, I don't know, at least for me, that's not really enough to make much of a connection. Okay, maybe it's a little different for me because I've been involved with the underground music scene for so many years and a lot of people that I correspond with from the underground hardcore punk music scene are vegetarian or vegan 
or even if they do eat meat, they're very open-minded to it because they've got friends or family members that are vegetarian or vegan. Hmm. Why do you think um, such a large, uh, large number of that group, the music scene, is vegan or vegetarian, or the underground music scene? Well, percentage-wise. Yeah. Why do? Yeah. Why do you think um, there are so many? Oh, um, I think a lot of people that are into the underground music scene are very open-minded, and um, there's so many different aspects of punk and hardcore and underground rock that it's kind of cool that a lot of the philosophies kind of blend together. So to me, I think it's just it's an outlet um, when you're younger. Uh, I, I don't want to say. Uh, it's a rebellion, but obviously when you're younger, it's rebellious to be into punk and hardcore and underground metal and, and stuff like that. So being turned on to vegetarianism, it, it, it's a good way to promote that or to turn somebody on to it who never was turned on to it before. Like before I learned about vegetarianism, I didn't know anything about it. You know, I grew up in an Italian, Italian-based family. Um, we ate meat. And I never really, really liked it. I never really thought about it. And then as I got older and hit, hit my teenage years, I started reading books on vegetarianism. I was introduced to it through the underground hardcore scene and punk scene, introduced to vegetarianism. And I was told what books to pick up. So I picked up some books, read some books. And I was like, wow, this is me. Um, I never really liked meat to begin with. And now I know that there's a lifestyle out there that I could um, strive to be or strive, strive for, you know, to just cut out the meat and uh, go vegetarian, which felt totally natural to me. Is there any book in particular so, that, um, that you identified with most? You know, it was the mid to late 80s. I don't even remember the name of the two books I read right now. Uh, it's been such a long time. Um, yeah, I can't. I, I, I honestly can't remember the name of the books, but uh, they pretty much just schooled you in vegetarianism. Uh, they weren't really chock full of recipes or anything, but they gave you a lot of ideas. I uh, told you how you can get your proteins and your vitamins and your minerals. And, you know, so it wasn't just... Um, a, you know, go vegetarian and just a shock to the system kind of thing, mm. which we can get to at some point of the, the conversation. Now, I think right. just quitting cold turkey is not a good idea. You should do it gradually. Yeah, I did it, I think, over a period of about three years where um, I went vegan for my health uh, mostly. I was... I found out I was diabetic, which came to no surprise to me because it runs in my family and I was just stress eating everything because in a way I was sort of like hoping for it. I sort of had a death wish, which is a bit extreme to think about that. But it, you know, there was something about going out in a blaze of glory, like just owning like, okay, fine, diabetes, you can take me now. But I survived and 
since then, I realized that I could be healthy. I just had to do it on my own terms because I wasn't properly educated on how you could be healthy. And in my household, everything was white rice and meat, and the vegetables were cooked with meat, or they just weren't palatable to me. My mother hated raising me, like when it came to cooking, because I disliked almost everything she cooked. And I could tell everything she made was very delicious, but it, was, it just wasn't my taste. I understand.、Mm-hmm. I was there. Right. So, so I don't think we talked a lot about mental health、um, when, I, when we met, when I was working for you. But working for you was kind of the highlight of my day. I loved being in an environment that was vegan, even though not everyone that worked for you, for you was a vegetarian or a vegan, and not all of our customers were vegan or vegetarian. But I grew up in a household where it was all about survival. My family were war refugees. And when they came to America, they assimilated to what they knew, and that was to make donuts and Chinese fast food. So I grew up selling Chinese fast food. That makes sense. Yeah. And the, where I work is where. I still, I still help them out、uh, every once in a while.、Um, it's out in LA, South LA, and the best way to describe it is as a ghetto food desert. There's very little nutritional benefits to eating our food. Everything is just there to commandeer for you know, quick, easy access, delicious food. And I'm proud of my family for. How far they've come, that they've done what they've had to to survive. But selling my customers this food that, like when I first went vegan, just smelling the food near me, like meat, like made me feel very sick. I was very sensitive. I don't know what it was like when you transitioned, but even though I slowly transitioned to a vegan, like I dropped off red meat and then chicken and then fish and then dairy and eggs. Uh, when I was that first month of veganism, I remembered it, it was like second puberty to me. I was so sensitive to everything, everything made me very emotional. Okay.、Um, I don't recall being super sensitive to meat, but I couldn't stand the smell of a barbecue, like barbecued meat or hot dogs. That definitely. Uh, once it got into my nasal passages, that definitely made me not like it when I, when I smell it. But if somebody was eating meat next to me, it was no big deal. It's, it's just mostly barbecue for some reason. It's just that strong, I don't know, meat smell coming from the barbecue that made me a little,、uh, little sick. You know, <laughs> not, nauseous, not nauseous or violently sick, but you know, just made me feel a little crabby. You know, I do actually en- enjoy the smell of barbecue.、Um, like the spices that are used in preparing barbecue- barbecued foods, I think smell very delicious. And the smell of something like slightly burnt and charred has always been soothing to me. Like, like I- I'm still a vegan. I'm, it's been, I think, 10 going on 11 years for me now. I've had a few slip ups by accident, but. Um, 
you know, still going strong. I do occasionally, the only thing that I really miss once in a while is seafood. And okay, I, I was never into seafood, so I don't miss, <laughs> honestly, I don't, I don't miss anything about meat or seafood or not, not with all the products that are out there now and all the options that you have now. I mean, I, 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 I never really missed it. And people ask me that all the time. They're like, don't you miss me? Uh, don't you miss this? Don't you miss that? Like, no, I, I don't really miss it. It's just been such a part, it's been such a part, uh, vegetarian has been such a part of my life that it's just a natural thing for me. I, I don't miss it. I don't feel like I'm giving up anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. It's just the occasional like passing thought and it goes away, you know, very quickly. Like I found this high end um, sushi place out in LA uh, called Shojin. And every time when I'm with my friend, um, when we have the money, we go and yeah, it, it's, it fills the void that is my desire for seafood despite you know they somehow mimic the taste with using seaweed vegetables and mushrooms okay yeah well that's great it's great that the place like that exists yeah shout out to shojin so has your mental health ever been impacted by vegetarianism that's kind of hard to Hmm, let me think. I, I, I can't see any direct correlation between being a vegetarian and mental health. Um, I don't know, that, that, that's, a, that's a tough question. I mean, when I went vegetarian, I think mentally I felt really good because I was happy to discover vegetarianism. I was happy to be doing it. When I looked in the mirror, I felt good about myself. Um, so I think, you know, in the early years, it definitely put a little spring in my step because I accomplished something that I didn't even know was existed, you know, a couple of years prior to that. So, um, I think it definitely gave me a little boost, but then as time went on, you just kind of plateau or level out, it just becomes such a part of your daily routine. It's so I don't really know how it would affect mental health at this point for me. Hmm. Yeah, for me, well, I don't know if I told you, but I recently, like less than half a year ago, found out that I had bipolar disorder. And to me, that was a very eye opening thing because I was like, okay, well, finally, I know what's wrong with me, why I constantly think about like dying and why I get like these random what i now know are manic episodes and to me i feel i feel sort of like impaired like i'm crazy or something and holding on to something like veganism kind of gives me a sense of normalcy now okay so from your perspective i can totally see that and um you probably don't know this because I never really went public with it, but two years ago, I suffered a big bout of depression and it just kind of came out of nowhere. My entire life, um, I was never depressed. Um, not more so than like a normal, you know, somebody died and you were sad for, you know, a week or 
you know, uh, your band just came back from a one-month tour of Europe, and you're kind of bummed out to be home, but you're still doing what you need to do. You're going to work, you're going to school, you're doing what you need to do. Uh, it's not like you're sitting there in a dark room just wallowing in a kind of depression. So for me, being sad or being in a bad mood was just something that happened occasionally. And all of a sudden, when I, I was I turned 50, well, actually I was 49 going into 50, and I just started getting really, really depressed. I didn't know what was going on. It was something that was out of my control. I started sleeping more. I didn't want to leave the house. I started getting anxiety. Uh, I didn't know what was going on. And um, I did a stint in a psych ward for a week. And then oh at the God. time diagnosed me as bipolar two, because I, I don't have the manic ups and downs that normal, well, not normal, but regular bipolar uh, diagnosis. You have the extreme ups and downs, the extreme highs and lows. I wasn't having those manic episodes. You know, I, I wasn't standing up for one night, let alone three or four in a row. You know, I wasn't uh, just leaving the house to go to the casino and gamble for like 24 hours or anything. So they originally diagnosed me with bipolar two, but then as time went on and I saw more therapists and tried some different medications, I think my diagnosis now is just depression. So, so I'm currently on actually three medications to help me, to help my brain and my body, whatever happened, Whatever, whatever physically happens to me, um, that made my brain kind of go that direction. These medications are definitely helping me get back on track. I don't feel I'm 100% back to the person I was when I was 49 and younger, but I definitely feel that um, I'm a hell of a lot better now than I was a year and a half or two years ago. Wow, that's. Very interesting, because my experience is like parallel to yours, or not parallel, but mirroring yours. So I went to a psychiatrist for the first time about three years ago, and he diagnosed me with depression, and he was giving me a ton of antidepressants to try out, and they didn't do anything for me. Um, occasionally they would lift my mood, but I think it was a placebo effect because I was telling myself, okay, I'm taking an antidepressant. I'm gonna feel better. I'm gonna, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what's right for my health. I'm taking, I'm taking what I need to take. But as time went on, nothing, nothing would last, nothing would work. We would change medications or dosage every month or every other month and then one day I was running late to an appointment um, just because of an accident that was happening on the freeway when I was going there from work and I missed my appointment and he terminated me because I had missed the appointment. So that kind of made me like not want to try um, psychiatry anymore, but I was still seeing a therapist at the time and I thought, okay, this will be enough because I wanted to keep the drugs out of my body because they weren't doing anything except giving me the occasional erectile dysfunction or just mess. All they really did was like mess up my sex life, which is kind of non-existent to begin with anyways. But a few years later, my uh, nurse, my doctor and nurse practitioner 
I was telling them I was having suicidal thoughts and they told me, you need to see a therapist, you need to see a psychiatrist again. And then I went to go see a psychiatrist and then she was able to recognize that I was going through manic episodes and she um, prescribed, uh, she diagnosed me with bipolar disorder too. But when I learned about bipolar disorders one and, um, and the other ones, I mostly learned focus on one and two because they're the major ones. I realized when I was 25, shortly after I'd finished my degree in geological sciences, I went through, I definitely went through a manic episode where I was staying up all, all night. I was sleeping with anything that moves. I was just trying to find any excuse to spend money that I didn't even have. And it was, it was a lot more major than hypomania, which is what happens in bipolar disorder too. Okay. That's um, kind of similar to me, minus the manic episodes. When um, I first got diagnosed, they tried me on a bunch of antidepressants that didn't work. They actually made me more depressed. And then finally, when they diagnosed me with bipolar 2, the medications worked for a good four or five months, and they kind of stopped working. And then I eventually got to the therapist, or the psychiatrist I'm seeing now, and she just said, "You're not bipolar two. You're you're just depre- you're not depressive. You're you're depression." And she put me on a different regimen of meds. And once they once they kicked in, you know, four to six weeks, when they started kicking in, I started feeling really good. A lot better than I had the prior year, year and a half, which was a roller coaster of trying this med for two weeks or a month, trying this med and getting off this med, going on this other med. So just all the med changes over the over the year and a half, I was on like this roller coaster of being depressed and feeling okay, then being depressed and feeling okay, but never good enough. Like, just feeling okay, but not good enough to really want to you know go out and take on the world where now i you know i I have my confidence back i'm not getting anxiety anymore um going out and getting groceries is no big deal (laughs) you know where at one point it it was like oh i I dreaded going out to have to go shopping because i just didn't want to leave the house yeah Um, i didn't know what was going on or why that was happening to me because it never happened before in my life so uh now I can do normal things and feel a lot more normal than I did a year, year and a half, two years ago. So segment two. Segment two now. Um, because Anchor can only record 30 minute uh, intervals, at least on a desktop. Okay, so it sounds like you it sounds like you achieved what you needed, which I'm very thankful for. Um, I did not know you were going through depression at all. Um, whereas me, I'm super open about it, like at least on my Instagram, where I have myself listed as a mental health destigmatizer because that's what I want to do in this world. Besides being a geophysicist. Um, I understand. I, I mean, I mean, my friend, my close friends, and obviously my family know. 
Um, but I didn't really go public with it because Facebook, I have a lot of colleagues from my industry that are on there. And I don't want that to jeopardize maybe getting a job in the future. Mm-hmm. So I think once, once I'm, once I'm more stable and settled down somewhere and I feel like I got a good steady job, I definitely want to go more public with it. And I definitely want to talk about it more with other people and try to help other people through it because it was really, really rough, but I got through it. Yeah. It's a hellish thing. And for me personally, like my depression isn't just depression. It's a symptom of another condition that I have. So I don't know if I experience it differently than you do, but I definitely know what it's like to not to want to get out of bed. Like the way I describe my depression is there's a word for it that I have a friend who is studying to be a therapist who she taught me the word multiple times, but I always forget it. But you know, when you have strong emotions, positive or negative, you get physical feelings as well. Like when you get heartbreak, your heart actually hurts, right? Yes. Okay, well, I get like that when I'm depressed. Like I can still feel my body going through emotions without feeling actual emotions. Like when you're happy, my like I won't feel happy but I'll feel light, I'll feel energetic, I'll feel animated, I'll feel like I want to do something. But I know at my core, I'm not happy. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the same way, like anxiety, it's like, anxiety gives you a fear that is irrational, that you don't, you can't control, that you, you think that there's something there, but there's not. And you just have to like, go through with the your body just goes through like fight or flight responses whether there's some danger or not i get like that with a plethora of emotions when i when i go through my depression okay that definitely seems a little different than uh what i experience my, my mine's just like it, it's it's like something takes over my brain it doesn't let any of the uh, rational and good feelings or good thoughts come out. It just kind of says, I just feel like, blah, I don't want to do anything. Um, I was really tired, too. It was kind of like I had, uh, had mana or something for a year. Well, I mean, I didn't, but that's what it felt like. I was just constantly tired. I could sleep eight hours or... 13 or 14 hours and just still need more sleep. I just slept and slept and slept and it was kind of scary. It was like, I need to, I need to get up and do something. Yeah. That's sort of why I started this podcast actually was because I think I was going through a manic episode and I just felt the need to do something creative with my life. Not a bad thing. No, not at all. So, has your has your does reminding yourself that you know you're doing good in the world like as a vegetarian like i that might be over romanticizing it but do you feel like your vegetarianism like kind of makes you feel better about yourself when you're going through a depressed depressive episode when i'm going through a depressive episode not really but now that I'm doing a lot better, 
I mean, it makes it, it gives me pride in myself. Um, uh, I've never been one really to, to preach or be militant about my vegetarianism. Uh, there were some songs with my past bands that we touched upon the subject and uh, got it out there, but it's not like I was we were militant about it or I was militant about it. But for me, it makes me feel good. Like I said earlier, when I look in the mirror, I know that I haven't killed anything to survive in many years. And it makes me feel good about myself. So it definitely, I guess, affects my mental health a little bit on a daily basis. But when I'm going through a depressive episode, uh, no, nothing really makes a difference at that point. Hmm. Okay. Well, do you see it? Do you see um, your vegetarianism like impacting like any of your future endeavors? Because, you know, it was really interesting when I went to work for you and I learned that, oh, your new boss used to be like in a punk rock band. And now he's opening up a vegan restaurant. And I'm like, well, that's quite a turn flip. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. It, it, it felt natural. Um, Becky, who was my partner back then, she's now my wife, um, she was always experimenting with recipes and cooking and baking and trying new stuff. And we'd go hang out at friends' houses and she'd always bring like whoopie pies or cinnamon rolls or something, or something that she cooked. And everybody was like, Wow, this is great! You should you should open a restaurant. You know your stuff is great. And then um, we did a cross country trip, and we were coming back from New York or Connecticut to California, and we made it a point to stop at as many vegetarian restaurants along the way as we could. And we started talking to some of the owners, and uh, just kind of getting some feedback onto what they went through and how long they've been there and the kind of reception they've been getting. And then um, when I got back to California, uh, Jade from the restaurant Matasi 3 was kind of like a mentor as well because she was struggling with her partner uh, to keep her business going. They were, they were still only, I think, a year, pushing a year, year and a half of being open. They still had a lot of hurdles that they were going through. So she was kind of a mentor to us gave us some ideas and kind of gave us the motivation to do it. So then we started looking for a space and we started perfecting a menu and the rest just kind of happened. We found the space, we had a menu and we fixed it up the best we could because we didn't have a lot of money at the time, but we had, we had, we had enough to get get the lighting and the electrical done and uh, make sure the equipment was running and we, you know, scrubbed everything like it was brand new and uh, got up and running. Do you think you do you think that the restaurant would have been uh, more successful had it been a later time? Because, you know, I think back then veganism was like it was just starting off now. Like the like the numbers the number of vegan vegans and vegetarians in the world right now, or people that are just open to plant based eating, has increased exponentially. If you had arrived 
now rather than back then in 2013, was it? Do you think that would have made a difference? Well, we opened in 20... We opened in 2011, we closed in 2013. Right, right, my bad. Yeah, I, I do think it would make a difference because at the time, we were vegan comfort foods and we were trying to bring an East Coast flavor to the West Coast. And a lot of people didn't get it. They didn't understand it. I mean, they didn't know why we didn't have kale salads. And we tried <laughs> to explain to people that you can get a kale salad at any other vegetarian or vegan restaurant. Why do we need to offer that up? And they were, I guess they were coming in expecting more of a fancy dining, uh, old school vegetarian or vegan kind of experience where we were kind of trying to be like, I hate to say like a diner, but we were trying to be more like a, like a quick stop, you know, a place where you can get some vegan comfort food. You know, you want, you want a meatball sub, you want a chicken parm, you know, you wanted the veggie brew, you want some dogs, you know, we had it all. And I think a lot of people were just kind of turned off by it because they came in having different expectations. So now I see there's tons of vegan comfort food restaurants opening up all over the country. I see friends of mine from California posting, oh, we just went to this place and they're posting like a link and stuff and it's like it's all vegan comfort foods and they seem to be doing okay i mean i haven't spoken to them I mean, they, they might be struggling really hard i don't know but there's definitely a lot more options of vegetarian and vegan comfort foods today than there were back in 2011. right i mean i am a native californian so to me it definitely was something to behold that i never really ate comfort food nor did I really know what that was. To me, comfort food was um, the few recipes that my mother made when before I was a vegan that I actually did enjoy. And they were just like hearty meat stuff. And then realizing that, oh, okay, so this is not a place that does kale salad, but it's a place where I can get a, a veggie burger. And it's, well, mom and pop owned in, in spirit. That... Um, that's what drew me to the place, and that's why I was really hoping that you guys would succeed. And if you'll excuse me for a second, my cat is clawing at the door because she wants to step out for a moment. No problem. Yeah. So, I remember um our closing up party when the store sh when the restaurant shut down and i i think your last words to me were stay in school don't open up a restaurant <laughs> well that sounds about right yeah <laughs> do you still hold true to those words um i, I think i got burnt out of the uh restaurant and service industry so I don't know if I would try it again. Um, I'd probably be inclined to say no. Hmm. Well, if you did open up another one, what... You know, plus now... You know. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if we did open another one into vegan comfort foods, we'd now, we, we would now be copycats. We wouldn't have been innovators. <laughs> you can open up the Long Beach Vegan Eatery 2.0, where, where you... <laughs> 
Now you're close. You're closer to the East Coast, but you're in the you're in the Midwest, right? Yes. Technically, where? For now. Yeah. Well. Well, the goal is to get the goal is to get back to the West Coast. Right. Okay, inching that's your way slowly. Been, that's always been the goal. Okay, well, maybe you can open up a restaurant that sort of combines East and West Coast, or just an all over all over America kind of dining experience. So. What advice would you give to uh, vegan entrepreneurs? Hmm. Well, they're obviously doing it because they're passionate about it the same way we were passionate about it. So um, I I don't really know any advice I can give. I guess just to go with your heart, go with with your beliefs and just stand strong on what you believe in. Which they're probably doing anyway, which is what we did. You know, people would come in and say, "Why didn't you have a kale salad?" And you know, we didn't, we didn't put a kale salad on the menu. We just hung, hung true, held true to what we were about and what we were serving. <laughs> I do feel called out now for having ordered veggie grill a few days ago, and I did order a kale salad because I needed to eat something <laughs> healthy for once. <laughs> That's totally fine. But like Veggie Grill, you know, they started out with one location, but you know, they had more financial backing than we did. And then they grew into multiple locations where we, we, we were just a little mom pot that didn't really have any financial backing. And um, everything turned out to be more expensive than, than we thought. And plus that, that, that lawsuit for the non, um, ADA approved bathroom, that sucked. We got, we got, you know, our landlord and I got pinched for a couple grand each on that. Oh, I didn't remember. I didn't recall that happening. Yeah, we got, we got, we were offering the key to the bathroom to people. So apparently, once you offer the key to somebody, your bathroom becomes a public bathroom. Even though it was more of an employee bathroom. I wasn't going to turn people away. Uh, we were zoned for fast food takeout. We weren't zoned for a sit-down restaurant, so we didn't, by law, have to supply a bathroom because we were we were fast food takeout. Um, but we did we did supply a bathroom to people because I, I felt bad. You're here. You're paying money. You're eating food. You got to use the bathroom. Here's the key. So by doing that, it made the bathroom a public bathroom. Mm-hmm. So by being a public bathroom, we had somebody with a disability come in, they weren't able to use the bathroom, they sued us, and they won. I did not know that happened. Yeah, and it would have cost the landlord thirty-five dollars or $40,000 to renovate the building to put in an ADA-approved restroom, and he, just, he said no. Mm. He said, just stop. He just said, stop giving the key out. It's not a public bathroom, it's a private bathroom for your employees, and, and that's it. So we stopped handing the key out. Wow. That is... Yeah, that, that, that was one of many things that set us back financially, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Because I, because I know working for you, I wasn't... I obviously wasn't doing it for the money. I did it because I loved the community. I loved our little misfit family. And as, as did we, and we 
I, I can't even express into words how much I and we appreciate all the help that everybody gave us because we wouldn't have been able to do it without all of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so I think we're going to wrap things up soon, but if I can ask you a few more things, like if you had a dinner guest of your choice, who would it be? I know, that was like the flimsiest segue that I've ever made in my life. <laughs> Living or dead? Uh, give me one for both. Okay. Let's see. Living, I'd go with John Cleese. Mm-hmm. Who is... Then I would go with Humphrey Bogart. Okay, I'm not going to pretend I know who those people are. You know John Cleese from Monty Python. Oh, shoot. Okay. Okay, I've, I've seen Monty Python, but I'm very bad with uh, celebrity names. That's okay. Okay. What would you serve, or where would you go to go out to eat? Well, I guess that would depend on what state we are in. Hmm. Okay. So you're in you're in a magical world where you can get anything. So you're obviously going to choose a vegan dish. I hope. What would it be? Oh, then I would go to Shandles in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where we had cater already. That was very good vegan food, though. Apparently, some of their stuff was vegetarian, and I did not know, and I ate some of it. Oh. Okay. Yeah. But it's okay. Sorry about that. Nah, it's okay. I've, I've, it wasn't my first slip up. It wasn't my last slip up, and it's not going to be my last slip up. Like, like I'm going to definitely make a lot more slip ups. Which, yeah, what did I remember? Like us talking about that too before. Like vegan purity, purism. What do you do? You still hold on to that thought? Like, because I really like the way you described it. Because I always thought, you know. You can't hurt anything, but you know when you when you do agriculture, there are animals that are living amongst the produce, and they get killed, or things that are living in the dirt, and their lives are impacted because of the impact of human agriculture. And you have to do as little harm as you can. But at the same time, like I feel like omnivores who don't approve of the vegan agenda or lifestyle or whatever they sort of push that on for you that you know it's all or nothing kind of mentality how do you deal with um people like that well it's 2021 it's not you know early 1900s where everybody was local you only traveled you know 30 to 60 miles away from where you were born and you pretty much harvested your own food and lived off of the land. Um, nowadays, it's not like that. I mean, you can't you can't own a car and drive around. I mean, you kill bugs. Right. You know. I mean, there, there's there's really no way around being 100%. I feel that you you know you can be the the best that you can and do the best that you can. But if I'm driving down the freeway and I hit a moth, I just killed a moth. Uh, as significant or insignificant somebody might take that moth's life as, it was still a living, breathing being that I just killed with my car. So you I guess you just have to accept those little facts that when you're living in the society that I live in, 
that's the best I can do. Right. Right. That's a good way of thinking, and I wish I had like the mental fortitude that you do. And maybe one day I'll be there. So, what do you see for the future uh, of veganism? Well, I see it growing in popularity, and like I was mentioning earlier, a lot of the um, mainstream restaurants, the chain restaurants, and a lot of a lot of the mom and pas too are, are including a lot more vegan and vegetarian options. Um, and you know, sometimes it's just a matter of asking. Like, there's a Chinese restaurant here in town. It's the only one, and they're open for takeout only because of the you know the pandemic. And um, they don't even have tofu on the menu. Neither like, does. I, I always order. Neither does my family. Nothing, but but I order sweet and sour tofu from them all the time. Mm. I just call in and say, "Can I get sweet and sour tofu?" And they're like, "Sure." So they make it for me. I get vegetable fried rice with uh, tofu added. So it's like it's not on the menu, but they have it. So that means a lot to me. And because of the pandemic, I want to support them because they're takeout only. They're the only Chinese restaurant in town. They're hardworking, and、uh, I try to I try to get takeout from them every every two weeks or so. To support them, but like I said, they have tofu. You can get vegetarian and vegan options there, but you just have to ask for it.、Mm. Okay. So I think you know. So I, I, I mean, it's available. But my, my point is, it's available, even if it's not being forced down your throat. It's still available.、Um, so little mom pie like that has options. A lot of the. Chain restaurants are now giving options. The grocery stores, forget it. They've got they got whole or you know natural, organic, and、uh, vegetarian vegan sections now. Which when I went vegetarian back in 1987, the only place you can get products was at the health food store. The health food store had limited hours, and honestly, the products tasted like cardboard. But it was but it was still some some way to get your protein. You know, I remember these things called Okara patties. They were probably the equivalent of what now is a fake chicken patty, but they tasted like cardboard. Right. You know, but they were high in protein, so you just grill them up and eat them, and you knew you were getting your protein, and you were supporting, you know, a vegetarian、uh, company, and you were supporting the local health food store. But now you go to any supermarket, you can get Gardein, which is my, my my preference is Gardein.、Um, I don't really like the Morning Star. And the boca. There's too many、um, other ingredients. There's too many ingredients involved in the products. Where Gardein are a little more, I think, more pure than those other companies, and their stuff tastes great. The、yeah. Gardein veggie burger is, is great. Yeah, it, it probably doesn't have a very good、uh, carbon footprint because it's been imported all the way from Sweden. But usually, when it comes to fake meats, I like getting stuff from IKEA. I'm Really into their veggie dogs and their veggie balls, which they've actually changed the recipe for. That they're a lot more chicken-like now in nature. Before, before they look like clumps of pea, like pea powder with peas and carrots. Like you could see them in it, and now it looks like it looks like gardein meat. And I actually prefer the way that they were before. 
Did you like it better the way it was? Yeah, I actually liked the way it was before, with like chunks of vegetables in it, and you could tell that it was a veggie ball. Now everything is I like understand. now everything is like mimicking meat to the point where it's I kind of actually don't prefer it because I don't like the taste of chicken anymore. I agree. There's um, there's that there's that I forgot. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's Beyond Meat or a different company, but they're making like the ground meat now, where you can make like your own meatballs and your own uh, burgers out of the ground up meat. And to me, it looks too much like real meat. Like I don't I don't like the taste of meat. That's why I, why I went vegetarian for for multiple reasons. But I didn't like the taste of it. So I don't want to have a product that actually mimics the taste 100%. That to me, that defeats the purpose. That's great for people that aren't vegan or aren't vegetarian, and they're trying to eat healthier. The doctor said, you know, go on a more plant-based diet, or you, you got to cut out certain things. And they want they want something that tastes exactly like me. So that's great for them. Right. But for someone like you and I, it's kind of like, no, I don't like the taste of meat. So I want a product that. That mimics it, but doesn't taste exactly like it. Right. I like the seasonings that go into meat, but not the meat itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I've been living off of like fried rice with tofu in it and the occasional um, IKEA veggie balls. Okay. Yeah. Well, you should diversify a little more than that. <laughs> I mean, the beauty of the fried rice is that you can just use, you can just dump whatever you have that's like leftover when it comes to like produce and rice, and you know, it's it's best made with like day old rice, anyways. I understand. You can throw anything you want in there. Okay. Okay. Before I let you go, I just want to I want to end like on a positive, cute little question. What is your favorite animal today? Well, it has to be my cat, my cat Ginger. You do have a beautiful cat, and I have seen her every. He's just him. Yeah, him? it's actually him. Okay, yeah, I see him every catter day on Instagram, and I he is beautiful. <laughs> he's not only that; he's really sweet. He's the most loving cat I've ever experienced. He just he follows me around and follows Becky around like a puppy. He's always on our laps. Um, he's not, he's actually not in here right now, but he's usually sleeping either over there or over there when I'm in the office. So he's probably down hanging out with Becky right now. But yeah, he's always in, he's always in eye shot of one of us. Yeah. And he's just, he's, he's very vocal and he's just very, very loving and very sweet. You know, when we play, like he doesn't claw me, he just pat, you know, pats me with his paws and uh, he, he nibbles on my hand sometimes. Uh, he doesn't like chomp at you, you know? He's never put his claws out to, to me or anybody that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he has to currently be my favorite animal, Yeah. Mm, good answer. I guess, to be fair, I would have to say my own cat would be my favorite animal right now as well. I, I meant animal. I meant like a species in general. But if you can pinpoint to like an exact organism, that's great on you. <laughs> my cat has been. We've been living with my family for the last too many years, and she still hisses at every person and every other cat that is in this house. I live with four cats, and my own personal cat does not get along with any of them or anybody. 
Okay, that makes for an interesting situation. Right. But she's a daddy's girl, so everything's fine. She she loves she loves one person more than anything and that's enough for her. That's very cool. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Jeff. It's been real and we really need to just like talk more often because you are one of my favorite people in the world. I don't think I've ever told you that before. Wow, that that means a lot, man. Thank you. And I I appreciate you kicking off your new podcast with me. And I wish you lots of luck for future episodes. Keep it going. It's a positive outlet. And I look forward to uh, listening in. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. And listeners, thank you for listening. Okay. This is once again, Jeff Terranova with The Mental Vegan. (laughs) 